0: Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Deep Dive, the all music books podcast, where we speak with authors of music books, bios, history, criticism, cultural takes, and everything in between. I'm your host, Steve Jay. Today, in honor and celebration of Saturday's National Record Store Day, we're going to talk about these beloved and disappearing music institutions. If you're a music fan, you likely spent hours sifting through the racks of albums in your youth. I know I did. I literally could not pass up a record store without going in. But even with the vinyl boom, they're getting harder to find. So we're going to talk to Chris Anzalone, a Boston musician who recently purchased Stereo Jacks, a legendary Cambridge record store that was closing up shop after 40 years to be replaced by a recreational marijuana dispensary. Welcome, Chris.
1: Hey, how are you guys? Thanks for having me.
0: This is such a great story that you bought this store, but I am conflicted. Is it everything changes or the more things change, the more they stay the same?
1: Um, That's a good question. Um, When I, when I was, uh, when it became real that we were actually doing this and, and, and we're moving the place and keeping the name, buying the name and keeping the store as stereo jacks, I didn't want it to be too different, you know, but I didn't want it to be exactly the same. So Uh, short short answer that uh, is that I yeah a little of both Hmm. a little bit of everything stays the same and everything changes you know and and I I really feel like we've accomplished that I feel like a lot of people that have come in have commented saying like this kind of feels like the old place but it's you know this is different and that's different and yet I feel like it it, they, they say it does have a lot of the same you know the same feel so that's great. That's I, I feel like we've landed where we wanted to, Where whereas it? it feels like the old shop, but we've done some different things.
0: Yeah, it is a great store. And you're a Boston musician, and you worked part-time at Stereo Jacks. Tell us how and why you decided to purchase the store and then relocate it to a very hip part of Somerville, in my opinion, in Ball Square.
1: Yeah. Uh, so during the pandemic, during the early days of it, and you know, all all the music gigs went away, and I got hired by Jack, and actually Charlie Colhase specifically hired me, and to come and you know work some shifts. They knew I wasn't working. They knew I had no work, and and it was it was great even to work there just one day a week, sometimes two. And it was just really a blast. Um, and uh, I, I, I liked it so much that, that right after the first shift that I worked there, the sort of tiny grain of the idea popped into my head of like, you know, I came home and I was said to my wife, just, you know, casually, like I would love to run a record store someday. You know, it wasn't a serious thought. It was more whimsical, but, you know, a year and a half later, um, it became pretty clear that the shop was going to be closing. There had been rumors for a number of years, before the pandemic even, that this pot shop was going to be going in, but they were having trouble with getting all the licenses and everything, and it kept getting stalled and stalled, and then the pandemic stalled it even more. But then, it, like I said, about a year and a half after I was working there, uh, it became pretty clear that it was coming. And at that point, I remember working a shift and i looking around, and it, this is a record shop ready to go. If someone wanted to, you know, start a record shop, here it is. They could buy this place, you know, and have everything, the inventory, the the name, the sign. And I just emailed Jack and asked him, and he was quite surprised. Uh, I was surprised that I was even asking him. And I think it was still even kind of just a half serious idea at that point. I just wanted to see what the number would be to buy the place. A couple of weeks later, he came up with a number and you know, my wife and I said, well, that, you know, sounds reasonable. And But even then, it was still another six months before they actually got their 90-day notice.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, then it became put up or shut up. My whimsical, casual fantasies of of doing this, you know, decision time came. If I'm going to do this, it has to be, I have to find the right place. And I told Jack, I wouldn't do it unless I found the right place. And I found the place in Ball Square pretty quick, within two or three weeks of looking around. That was that.
0: And I have to say, having stopped by your shop many times, it seems that you've been very well received, both from the neighboring stores uh, and to the customers that continually stop by. I'm sure that there are some old customers from Stereo Jacks, but that area is kind of young and uh, it seems that there's a lot of music fans there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that we brought a lot of the old guard in, the old customers from Jack's, and definitely the neighborhood. The customers have been very vocal when they come to the register to ring out, telling me they like the place or they love the location. And then especially I hear constantly, I hear, I live around the corner. I live two streets away. This is great. You do hear a few people say the old place was closer, but it's not too far from the old place. so. It's only been six months, but I, I I think we really really got the perfect location for the relocation.
0: Yeah, definitely. And of course, there's the sign, which I love. Can you tell our listeners about the sign?
1: Yeah, the sign is great. So when, you know, I bought the business, and I so I bought the name and bought everything. I mean, I bought every stitch of everything that was in that shop, all the dust, all the records, <laughs> <laughs> and the sign. You know, and you know that sign was much bigger than I thought it was. And when I measured it and then measured my current storefront, it wasn't going to fit, not even close. I started to think of what to do with that old sign. And, you know, I thought maybe I could sell it, see, you know, someone in the area would want to buy it. But then I just thought it's just too great. It was such a great design. So iconic. Definitely. And then once they took it down, we realized how light it was. It looks mammoth. It looks like this big, heavy metal sign, but it's actually quite light. And so I thought, well, let's hang it inside. So it's inside the shop now and it's a wonderful presence in the shop. It takes up like half the right side of the wall. It just looks fabulous. You know, people comment on it all the time.
0: It is great. And it lets you know exactly where you are. Uh I do have to ask, has Jack been over to the store?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Jack came. We had like two grand openings. We had like the, the opening day you know, and he came to that. And then we, a week later, we had like the grand opening, which was a little bit more of a party. And he came to both. And then he's come, I don't know, four or five times since, just to come by and say hi. And uh, also to sell us some records.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, that it's so iconic, that store. And they are disappearing. It must be very emotional, I think, to him to see it, that it's lived on.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, Jack it was at a, an age you know where he he didn't want to retire necessarily but he also didn't want to take on the the burden of moving cuz it was a big move it was a lot it took a lot out of me <laughs> now <laughs> 25 years younger than than jack so i think it's it was a little bit of a bittersweet retirement for him you know every time he comes in he comments how much he likes the place how good a job he thinks we're doing and Without patting myself on the back, I really think we have honored that place by keeping the sign inside like that and keeping the prices around the same and keeping the vibe the same. It can't be the, the same exactly, but I think we've come as close as we can. And I think he really sees that and appreciates it.
0: Yeah, it's definitely got a great vibe. and uh, And that's, I think, super important for record stores. You know, you just get lost yeah. in there and that's the best part.
1: Yeah, well, and you've helped make that special too. You've sold us a lot of really nice records, and that's what we rely on: is people bringing in their collections. You know, especially the used thing. I mean, there's nowhere to order used records. You got right. You got to get it right. from from the community, and and so and so, thank you. <laughs>
0: you know, I read an interesting article uh, that someone says we all just rent music. You know, you don't own it because after you pass and your kids or whatever have to do it. So it's just a matter of just turning it over. Yeah. And you know, that was a kicker for me to say it's time for somebody else to worship these, you know?
1: Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah.
0: So Record Store Day definitely has become a thing. People all over the the world, but certainly in America, I know, care about that. And I'm curious for independent shops um, in in your history, what what does Record Store Day mean to you? You
1: know, it's, it's kind of a twofold thing. I mean, just on a you know new merchandise level it, it's a great day for collectors because a lot of really great new stuff comes out and it's it's the place to get it you know as a lot of it comes out it's limited edition it only comes out for record store day or for a limited time around record store day and so for the for the heavy collectors it's it's a big thing you know and 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 they come out and they're ready to buy <laughs> limited edition stuff on colored vinyl and, you know, stuff that had never been released or had been in out of print for a long time right. and repackaged and reboxed. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It also just makes people come out to record shops too. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? And while we haven't done that yet because we just opened, uh, it's just a great day for record shops, for people for you know, record awareness. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> kind of fun. We, um, unfortunately I should say though, that we, we, because we're a new shop and we just didn't have time to really you know, register in time to do Record Store Day, we won't be doing it this year, but we will definitely be doing it in the, the next coming years for sure. But it is a great day.
0: Besides uh, Record Store Day, You know, vinyl is now outselling CDs, certainly. Um, For a while now. Yeah. What do you think is behind the vinyl craze, especially with the younger generation?
1: Well, just for me personally, I'm in a weird age range because I'm 53 and I grew up buying vinyl. But by 1987, I'm 17 and I'm basically stopped buying vinyl. CDs start hitting and then certainly by like 90 when I'm like 20. I'm buying CDs. So, uh, you know, most of my adult life in buying was actually CDs, even though I grew up in the vinyl era and the CDs were great. But then, you know, the streaming thing came and I remember thinking, like, I got an iPod and I got all this, you know, thousands of hours of music on my phone. And then I remember thinking, like, the first time, like, one of my iPods crashed or my iPhone crashed or my laptop crashed and I lost all this music. You know and then i started thinking like you don't own this stuff at all it's on your laptop if, even if you right. back it up it's just these like digital files and i think what drew me back well a couple things drew me back but one of the things i realized was yeah the hard copy whether it's cd or vinyl even young kids are embracing that. They're understanding that like, oh, this is something in my hands. You know what I mean? Even right. even though the younger generation, everything is on the phone and and I'm gonna, God, I sound like an old guy saying that, but <laughs> it's true though. It's like, you know, I think that, you know, human nature is like, no, I want to own this. I want to own it and not just own it on a computer. I want to have it like on a shelf. You know, it speaks to young people having kind of an old soul kind of thing where they're, you know, hearkening back to, our years, you know, where you wanted something, you wanted something physical. And the artwork of it, I think they're starting to appreciate that, holding it in their hands and seeing the the artwork as like a little mini piece of art and the liner notes that they can actually read without squinting like a, like a CD. I'm hoping it's not just a craze and a fad, but I don't think so. I really don't think so. I'm seeing little kids. Uh, these two parents came in yesterday with their kid. And this kid was buying vinyl with like the, with a, a fervor, you know. And he said to me, he was like, "I love it. I love how big it is. I love looking at the cover. I think it's this next generation, just sort of like having a little bit more of a soul <laughs> than than the last twenty years of you know streaming and not quite really owning something, you know."
0: I love that. It warms my heart as somebody who spent most of his career designing album covers. And, and then, yep. you know, actually it was more CD covers first because Rykodisc was a CD only uh, store. But growing up with albums, it was that thing where you got a new record and you had friends and it'd make its way around the room and everybody would be consuming that together. And I think to your point, especially a lot of times now, it's consumed solo, right. in your earbuds or whatever. And I think that that is a thing now that it's shared. And thankfully you're not looking at a 500 pixel by 500 pixel album cover. You're back to something that's meaningful. And, uh, you know, I I definitely salute that. And for all the kids and adults out there, old people uh, who enjoy them, it's, it is great. And, and, you know, I love streaming music on my dog walks and a CD guy. It's just, If you love music, you can consume it anyway, but it's nice to see the physical thing happening again. Yeah. You're listening to All Music Podcasts, a member of Pantheon Media. We're speaking with Chris Anzalone, who's the new owner of the legendary Stereo Jacks Records.
1: What I think is really cool, too, is whether it's CDs or LPs, people are starting to listen to music on an actual stereo system again, too. And, you know, when I first got back into vinyl and I had one of the guys in my band come over the house and listen to an album, and he's my age, but he had been listening to music on little computer cube speakers for years and he sat there and he, he was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, a stereo. He was like, holy shit, yeah, all right." <laughs> Whether even if it's just your phone going into, like, a receiver with two big speakers, like, hearing actual speakers, like, with, you know, especially on vinyl, it sounds great. I think kids are kind of hearing that, too. They're like, wow, this sounds awesome.
0: <laughs> As a musician... What does having a store like this mean to you? Have you learned things you didn't know before about music or the music biz or music fans?
1: Yeah, I've learned a ton. My manager, uh, Wayne Rogers, who's owned who owned a record store, you know, he used to own Twisted Village in Harvard Square um, and has worked in record stores since he was 18, has just taught me so much about the record business just been learning a ton about music more. I mean, I thought I knew about a lot about music because I was a professional musician, but learned so much through him about the business, about the record business, about music in general. And also my other, um, one of my other employees, Charlie Colehase, who's a fantastic, incredible um, jazz sax player, has been working in stereo jacks for 35 years. And I've learned so much about music through them. I mean, I'm listening to more music than ever. I'm listening to music all day in the shop. So, you know.
0: Do you notice any music trends we should be aware of through buying habits, I guess I should point out?
1: I mean, one thing I'm definitely seeing through the young young crowd, the young crowd is still wanting to listen to old music Mm. as much as they're listening to new music. They're really still embracing old stuff from the 50s, 60s, 70s. And even 80s, 80s music is making a bit of a comeback. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm certainly learning through my manager Wayne about some, you know, newer stuff. It's helping this old guy <laughs> stay as current as I can. Trends, I don't know if I've noticed any any new trends. You know, what I'm finding is like if you got good records, well, a wide variety of good records, both new pressings of new bands, old records from various decades and, and genres in good condition at good prices people will
0: come in. Well, I'm going to give you a little pat on the back or actually your uh, social marketing skills on your Facebook page, which is excellent, <laughs> but you post a lot of videos almost daily on Facebook where you kind of, you know, scan the store and the bins and, you know, I see it all the time. I've seen some of my records there, but I see a lot of new records and, you know, I think that's a really good idea and I'm sure it gets a really good response and yeah, it sounds so simple and obvious, but I I don't see a lot of other stores doing it. So I just want to congratulate you on that.
1: Oh, thank you. And and uh, I also have to mention my other employee, uh, Eli Polanski, who was a longtime DJ um on WMBR. And um he does he doesn't do videos, but he takes still shots, he takes pics of a lot of cool stuff in the bins and will post when they've sold and says what's still there. And I mean, you know, it's so easy. I mean, it's just so easy to just it takes a minute and a half for me to make a a pan of the store and just put on a fun album and pan around and give a general idea of what's in there. And yeah, now it's easy to do and it's fun to do. So
0: it's fun to watch sometimes too. The one where you had a little slip up is still my favorite. Um, So uh, let's talk a little bit of music. Um, You know, I take it when you grew up, were you a big record store guy growing up and going into stores for hours and flipping through bins?
1: Well, you know, I didn't do like used store when I was a kid, you know, I was buying, I would go to the department stores. Like I bought all my records as a kid at Leechmere. Remember, remember yep, Leachmere? Yep, yep. That's where I bought all my records when I was a kid with my allowance. You know, it wasn't until like the 90s that I started going like in my 20s that I started going into um, used CDs. You know, but by the 90s, all the record stores had basically become CD stores. You know, Jack's, you know, they still had vinyl, but to survive, they became largely a, a CD place, as did uh, Disc Diggers in Davis Square. So it was Jack's for jazz for me and, and Disc Diggers for, uh, you know, a lot of other stuff. So yeah, in my 20s, I did, you know, but I was out of vinyl by then. I, I wasn't really listening to vinyl by then. But then in I think it was 2010 when I got back into vinyl, you know, that was. I was in my forties by then. Holy crap, I'm getting old.
0: <laughs> well, let's see how your memory is. Do you do you remember like your greatest record store find? Does does anything stick out? You're like, God, I remember this record and buying it, and it's still one of my favorites. You know, the first
1: records I bought were the Beatles that I got when I was nine and ten in the late 70s, when I was getting my allowance. And when I when my allowance would add up to however much a record cost then. I would go and get a, a new Beatles record every couple of weeks. And that to me is still, those days were like Christmas, you know? So <laughs> again, you know, i just, it, throughout the late seventies and then early eighties, I was basically just buying records at, you know, like strawberries, remember strawberries, right? And I got a lot of stuff there too. So it wasn't like you find new at new shops. So there weren't so many finds back then. When I got back into records in 2010 and started shopping around, I definitely found a lot of really great gems. You know, a lot of it was buying back the stuff that I had, even if I was buying the stuff new when, the, when a record came out. So it wasn't so much a great find as it was just a great memory, Right, right. So, you know, buying records as they came out. You Definitely. Know.
0: Can you name a favorite artist? I know that's a loaded question, but.
1: The Beatles are my favorite. The Beatles? The Beatles are my favorite band ever.
0: Wow. That's
1: awesome. That's it. No, I, they really are. I mean, I love, you know, all different kinds of stuff, but that it's that's number one in my heart.
0: What's what's your favorite album of theirs?
1: I can't pick one. I used to pick favorite albums, but the older I get, the more I just, it's like picking your favorite drummer or your favorite this. I just kind of don't do that anymore. There's so many different great drummers throughout all the different genres. Um, And the Beatles records to me are all equally super special to me, all incredibly unique in their own way.
0: You hear the Beatles a lot with both musicians and fans. That's always a great starting point. Uh, And uh, speaking of starting points, we're going to start uh, something a little bit different here because the engineer here, Other Steve, has also patronized your place a lot, and I know that uh, you know him, and I'm going to switch because you have a couple questions you'd like to ask Chris, right?
3: You know, I do, actually. Let me roll over here. Hey, Other Steve. There's a man with my haircut. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I mean, questions. I know you just got back from a gig, like, a couple hours ago. so You're like... The drummer of choice, it seems. I see every, every single <laughs> night. That, You're but... playing every night, <laughs> man. Come on, you can't, you can't I play a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No,
1: I'm, I'm fortunate.
3: So I'm assuming a lot of you know your local friends and musicians stop by all the time. Does local music have its own crate in your store? Does it sell
1: for you at all? How? What's the deal? With, yeah, yeah. It, it, it does actually. Yeah, I do, and it does. Um, we we've done pretty well with the local stuff. You know, people are in there definitely to look for classic albums of classic bands that they know. But we've got we've got a number of really good uh, bands in there. Um, we've got Ed Velasquez's old band, the Gravel Pit. Mm-hmm. We've got Jed Parrish has a solo album there. Uh, Tom Robertson, a friend of mine, has his band. Oh yeah, there, the re- that's a great record. Yeah, the Remittance Men. Um, He's my neighbor. Oh, that's right. Yeah the blue ribbons we've got the blue ribbons uh last album in there we've got another band called the gravel project uh andrew and jordan gravel yeah and uh, a band called stars like ours red on red records led by um justine kovalt we have a little box of her uh, her bands in there robin lanes in there uh, gymnasium
3: so cool it sounds it sounds like you've got old and new local stuff yeah. so that's great yeah because yeah. I, I know it's a little weird a lot of people you know give stuff away at shows or uh yeah they don't make a lot of money on their own music so it's nice that they're actually yeah. coming by and paying for it
1: <laughs> it makes me it makes me happy when we sell one and i i get in touch with them and and, and send them send them some some yeah. some dough and tell them some of their records sold it's, it's nice yeah yeah great absolutely
3: i know when i first came in you were initially not very interested in Selling CDs has that
1: changed a little bit? No, we we have always been. We're not reluctant. I think it's a matter of space in the store. Right. Um and so we just have to kind of be picky about how much we carry. We have a little bit less space than the old shop, and so we have to kind of keep the cl- the, the the CD stuff to sort of classic titles. You know what I mean? And we're very we're we're a little picky. So
3: Yeah, no, it makes sense. Have have like, yeah.
1: you know, definite sellers.
3: <laughs> yeah. Cuz there's yeah, a whole, exactly. lot of CDs out there. <laughs>
1: They really are yeah and and you know the lesser titles we put out for pretty cheap you know our cd prices are crazy low so it's 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 good they move you know good um yeah i also have seen that
3: you have like these unfinished record crates in there oh yeah and i was wondering if you're going to expand it all on your uh accessories Do you have any of that in mind or is that was that was that an organic um, thing or a choice
1: so Jack sold them at the old shop. Oh, and they okay. were all they're always a great seller. People love them and they move. They're well made, they're really simple. They're not fancy looking. Somebody make them for you locally? A company called Boston Wood. They're super cool, man. They're you can stain them. I keep them, you know, like that. They're really sturdy. Yeah, they look really solid. Other accessories, we have, like, you know, the dust cleaner, uh, sure. disc washer stuff. We've got the uh, anti-static magnetic brush thing. We're not going to go crazy with that.
3: You're not going to go, like, with speakers and old stereo. You know, electronics is big a little risky, I yeah. think. Yeah.
1: You know, it's funny. It, another great shop in the area, Big Dig, they've got some turntables in their window. And I have to admit, it really does look cool to have some stereo equipment. But... I just it's in my opinion it's just a bit of a boondoggle if you sell something and it breaks within a you know a week or something and like you got to have a repair guy and
3: if you don't have a technician on site it's not not a good move yeah
1: <laughs> yeah and I, I don't want to let anything slip cuz I don't want to I'm, we're not sure yet but there there is a plan to try to contact some local turntable makers it would be great if we could carry some, you know new inventory um and sell new turntables that way there it's guaranteed and you know that kind of stuff right i don't know and it takes up space speakers you
3: know don't go down that Crosley road either those things are brutal
0: (laughs) i know all
3: right i'll give it back to the big guy
1: thanks man hey steve thanks man
0: you just might be the first interview steve's done so i hope he doesn't steal my job that's not a job actually (laughs) jobs pay jobs pay so well uh you know, I want to thank you for your time, Chris, and thank you for helping to continue the record store culture. To me, it truly is like no other. For our local listeners, Stereo Jacks can be found at 736 Broadway in Ball Square, Somerville. You made it to Broadway, Chris. <laughs> and for more information, you can go to stereojacks.com. So congratulations, Chris, and thank you for your time. You know, I'd recommend anybody here in the in the Boston area check you out. It's a great store, great service, great people. They know a lot about music, and they got a ton of it. So thank you, Chris.
1: Well, Steve, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm, I'm honored. You guys are great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Please go to allmusicbooks.com to check out the rest of our Deep Dive podcasts and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I'd also like to thank our engineer, Steve Folsom. You can check him out at fullsound.com. Finally, big ups to Frankie and the Pool Boys for their one-of-a-kind music played throughout the podcasts. You can check them out at frankieandthepoolboys.bandcamp.com and on all of the major streaming services. Please support local and independent writers and musicians. We're out until the next time, and thanks again for tuning in to Deep Dive, an allmusicbooks.com podcast and now a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network.